0: I prefer to have cost of living slightly below the national average. Then people seem to be happier. They'll stay longer. People will continue to move in. The population trend will go up. The schools will be good. All of these types of things if the cost of living's decent. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast. Your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. What's up, investors? It's your friend Adam A. Adams, and I'm filling in for Jason J. Lou Lewis. And we've got, let me count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven ideas that we're going to be talking about. But all of these small ideas and things that we're going to be pouring into you are meant to help you vet a market, to help you select a market, to choose what market or sub market you are going to invest in. Now, that means whether you're going to be purchasing single family, multifamily, whether you're going to be passively investing, whether it's short term rentals. Here's just some ideas to think about. This is more of an art than it might be a science. However, there are some scientific parts to it. That I will point out. If in my mind I see, hey, this needs to be at least 1% for population growth, for the population trend, it needs to be growing at least 1%. That's going to be the science to it. But there might be other parts of this where we maybe talk about the population, current population of that MSA, the Metropolitan Statistical Area. The MSA, where it is basically based on your opinion. What do you think? And so here we go with these, I think I said 11 11 or 12 ideas. And the first and foremost one is crime. You absolutely don't want to be investing in a place that just has horrible crime. Why would you do that? How does it benefit you to invest somewhere where the crime is terrible? Now, that is an art because now you're saying, what if I buy the whole block? What if I buy the whole city at the same time and I redo all of the houses and I put a gate around the community and I put a security guard around the community and it has bad crime. But now we are at least protecting this small part. Okay, maybe, maybe. But generally speaking, let's look at crime. Let's take a look and see what is happening with it. Is it going up? Is it going down? But here's one of the reasons why you can't look at crime only and by itself is because there's a lot of times when somebody wants to be, I'm talking about like a governor or a mayor, they want to be reelected. And so they want to show that they've done some good stuff. And one of the things that can make a mayor or a governor... Be favorable in the eyes of the people that are going to be voting them is if crime went down. And so it has happened many times before that right before an election, a mayor or a governor will lock a whole bunch of people up. Now, if all of the people that commit crimes are not on the streets anymore, what's going to happen to crime? Temporarily, it's going to go down. So you want to look if it was high and then overnight it was just nothing. That is potential. That is a thing that you could be looking at and say, you know what, maybe maybe the governor just locked a bunch of people up and as soon as they let them out, crime's going to go back up or maybe they decriminalize something that basically meaning hey, don't pull people over for this and this and this anymore. Don't search and see sure anymore. You know, for six months, I don't want you to check for drugs. For six months, I don't want you to report armed robberies as armed robberies. I want you to report them as burglaries because that's a slight bit better or whatever it could be. You don't. you never know. But crime by itself can't be the full thing. That was number one. Number two, schools. Schools, I think, are one of the better things to look at besides crime. And now here's the thing, rent per, I'm making a note for later because I've got another idea. But schools, schools are better than crime because if you're in an area that has medium amount of crime, let's just call it average. It's an average amount of crime. There's crime, but it's not more than most cities. Okay. But- the schools are crappy. I'm talking that most of the schools are ra- rating, getting a rating, or ranked. Let's just say people are calling it a three out of 10, or you know, a one out of five, a two out of five, or like a two, three, four out of 10. Some schools are rated out of five and some are out of, out of 10. So you do the math to figure this out. But at the point would be, if the crime is right at average, but the schools are crappy, people get bad grades, Uh, people aren't moving on to the next grade, people are getting a lot of failures, the school itself is is being marked as not a good school. If most of the schools in the area, or in particular, the main elementary school, the main middle school or junior high, and the main high school, that the people in this exact neighborhood that you're going to be investing in if those are a two out of 10, 3 out of 10, 4 out of 10, 10, 5 out of 10, I'm going to say make this more of a scientific thing where you're going to say, heck no, I'm not investing there. Because even if crime is fine now, it's likely to go bad over the next two, three, four, five, ten years. And I don't want to be purchasing something because of lack of education, crime is going to happen. So instead One of the ways that we do this when we are looking for places to purchase in is we make sure that not all of those schools, that means the main elementary, the main junior high or middle school, and the main high school, that the house or the apartment building that we're wanting to purchase, we want to make sure that all three of those are ranking a seven out of 10 or higher. Now, again, that is the art of it. I choose seven out of 10 because I'm, I'm a little bit more cautious and conservative. I want to make sure that my money is going to be placed into a good place. And a lot of times, as you know, I've done syndication, which means we raise hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars for, from private individuals to close on a, on a deal. And with that said, I want to make sure that things are, that all of the schools are seven out of 10 or eight out of 10, or nine out of 10, or even 10 out of 10. But so I stay away from the six out of 10s, but maybe your art is, you know what, I might not go for a four out of 10, that would be horrible. But if I find it where only one of those is a five out of 10, maybe that's your choice. It's not my choice, but maybe that's the art that you put to this. Or maybe you're like, oh, Adam's only going to seven out of 10. I'm going to go to the extra mile and I'm going to go eight out of 10 at a minimum or a nine out of 10, or at least one of them has to be a 10 out of 10 or something like that. Okay. That's up to you, but pay attention to crime rates, pay attention to the schools and what they're ranked. The third thing is the current population. Now, Here's another artistic thing. The current population for the deals that I'm usually looking for, unless it's like an Airbnb or like you know, a short-term rental type of thing, then it doesn't matter quite as much. You just want to make sure that people are actually traveling there and they're going to actually use it. But when we're looking at buying an apartment building, for example, and we want to know what's the current population, we only look at places with a million or more, for the MSA. The metropolitan statistical area is a general city, like a big city. And then it's some of the it's some of the cities right around it. It's some of the small cities that are part of the metropolitan area right there. So when we're looking at that, we want a million or more. So like Salt Lake has well over a million, and we would probably invest so close to Salt Lake City, we would probably invest. You know, within 30 ish minutes, north or south, even if let's just pretend like Kaysville, which is about a half an hour north of Salt Lake, Kaysville is a nice city. It's a clean city, they have got amazing schools. Let's just pretend. That I don't even remember the population number for Kaysville, but I lived there once. So I I know the city pretty well. Back then, I think it was at 60,000. Let's just pretend it's at 90,000 today. Who knows? Who cares? Let's just pretend Kaysville's at 90,000. And you heard Adam Adams say, I don't do anything if it's not a million or more. Well, look, Kaysville becomes part of Salt Lake City. Kaysville is a city that's touching the Salt Lake. MSA. So, you know, like Bountiful, Layton, those are pretty well connected. But once you get up to Ogden, that's a little farther away. Hope that makes sense. Okay. So, population, current population, we want a million or more in the MSA. Now, some people, they call it the riches are in the niches. Some people focus on, oh, I'm only going to look at places that have a 30,000, that are farther away from everything. That's up to you. Again, this is your art that you can put into you investing. I want to be absolutely careful. and so having a million or more in the MSA really helps with that. So I don't care if it's technically, I don't care if it's technically primary market or a secondary market, so long as it's got the million or more. And some of these other things that we'll be talking about. So that was number three, current population. Then we're looking at population trend. Is it going up? Is it going down? Are people moving in? Are people moving out? If people are moving out, we don't touch that with a 10-foot pole. Maybe you think your riches are in the niches. Maybe you'll be like, oh, okay, I'm good with something that's declining in population. But I've realized, especially with apartments, like larger apartments, the values are going to skyrocket if people keep moving there. So what we look at is a 1% year over year for the last three years. Okay, year over year, 1% increase three years in a row. Now, I am not telling you to average this out. I'm not telling you to take, uh, oh, it didn't grow two years ago. It didn't grow last year, but it grew 3% this year. And so that is the 1% year over year average. It's not an average for Adam Adams. That's not how I do it. I don't average this shiz out. When I talk about population trend, I don't want a giant population growth immediately. I want a consistent population trend going up for at least the last two to three years is where we look. The next thing is the unemployment rate. So check out the unemployment rate. Just a good rule of thumb is to see what is the unemployment rate here compared to what's the unemployment rate as the national average. Whenever you're listening to this, maybe you listen to this 15 years after I record it, at that point, then you're going to just figure out what is the national average for unemployment rate. And you're going to make sure that your place is, you know, at or above the median. The next thing, number six, five was unemployment rate, six is job diversity. We look at job diversity. We want to see that no industry, please write this down. I'm talking about an industry, not a specific employer. Okay. So if, for example, we're talking about the oil industry and there are five giant companies in that MSA, if there's five huge oil companies in that area, and let's just pretend one of them is BP, British Petroleum, I think is what it's called. One of them is BP. Okay. Okay. Let's pretend that they are there. And BP only takes about 15% of the workforce for this MSA. Let's just pretend. But then you've got some other couple of oil places. One of them's got 5%. One of them's a little bit bigger. It's got 10%. One of them's got 3%. Well, I'm actually talking and asking you to add all of those up together. I'm asking you to add... BP's 15 and the 12 and the 10 and the five. And now you've got, I don't know, 30% or something. And are you above 20% of the job force? Yes, you're well above. And so we are, I'm asking you that you would probably not want to invest there again, this is an art. Maybe you've got your reasons why you're going to invest somewhere. And it's not just refineries, oil refineries, for example. If it's because fracking and oil is in a similar nature and so are gas stations in a similar nature and so is piping is in a similar nature. So if piping the oil from like one state to another underground, if that is, let's just say 10%, And then this other oil place is 5%. And this other place oil place is 12%. 5 plus 12 is 17 plus another, I think we said 5, makes it 22. Now it's gone over for oil and gas, for example. Okay. Additionally, if it's all tech, maybe that's a little not diverse. So you want job diversity and you want to make sure that the no industry is covering over 20%. Now that can be with some art because other companies sometimes say 25%. So you can go you can say okay well Adam says 20 that seems ultra conservative other people are saying 25 let's go, maybe you want to go with 25 because it's hard to find a place with 20 with nothing bigger than 20. So job growth, that's another one. I like to see 2% job growth year over year for at least two years. So remember 1% year over year population trend upwards for three years is the goal and 2% job growth for two years each is the trend. But if it was not growing, not growing, not growing and then grew 15%, that's not necessarily a benefit. I want to see slow, consistent growth. So uh, growth, not gross. I wanna see slow and consistent growth Like a turtle, slow and steady, wins the race. It makes me feel a lot better. I feel a lot more comfortable investing in an area where the job growth has been consistent, at least for the last two years, 2% or more. Number eight is cost of living. So you wanna just check out the cost of living. Generally speaking, I prefer to look at whatever the national average is for the cost of living. And then I look in my city or my MSA, And I try to determine, is the cost of living here above or below the national average? And I prefer to have cost of living slightly below the national average. Then people seem to be happier. They'll stay longer. People will continue to move in. The population trend will will go up. The schools will be good. All of these types of things if the cost of living is decent. A lot of inner cities, for example, inner cities have, in in general, I'm, I'm sure this is not A perfect thing but basically worse schools than maybe some of the suburbs and based on that the cost of living is more expensive in the inner city too right or in many cases it can be so but just look at that number six is job diversity number seven is job growth number eight is cost of living number nine is the median income now this one is critically important Ding, ding 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 median income very important because what are you looking for median income? You want to make sure that the median income in the area is very close to triple, very close to triple what your rents are. If it's six times the rents, some people would think, oh, that's even better. Now people can definitely afford to stay at my apartment building or my, my rental. If the median income is much more than three times, three X, the cost of your, your rent, then people are more likely to buy a home soon instead of stay at your rental. And it costs you a ton of money. Every time you have to replace a tenant or a resident, when you have to replace them, Every single time you're going to be spending thousands of bucks. I mean, it can't be less than that. It's going to cost lots of money, which you're probably going to lose a month of rent or two. You're also going to have to put into it 500, 2000, 10,000 when somebody moves out and you're often going to also have to have a tenant fee. So if you depending on who you have managing the property they will take a full month's rent or a half a month's rent. So, we're talking every time you have to do a turnover, it's going to cost you probably on average three ish months of the income. So, you don't want to do that if you, especially if you're barely breaking even on this rental and like you're only making a couple of hundred bucks a, a month. And the, let's just say that the, the rent is like a thousand and all of a sudden you lose three thousand. That's well over a year. Of income. That's like a year and a half, almost a year and a half, year and four months of net profits that you just lost because people are moving out faster than you wanted them to. So, by keeping the same resident staying the same person tenant in place, you're going to make more money instead of lose more money. So, you want to make sure that the cost of living and the median income are making sense so that people will stay at your apartment or your house for the longest period of time. You also want to look at median home prices. If median home prices, if it's super easy to buy, that's going to be a a bad thing. So I look at number 11. So 10 was median home prices. 11 is, is it cheaper to buy than it is to rent? Or is it cheaper to rent than it is to buy? Which one's the right one? Do you want it to be cheaper to rent or cheaper to buy in your MSA? Where your Investing. I'm going to suggest to you that you want it to be cheaper to rent because if it's cheaper to buy, everybody has an incentive to go and have their own property instead of paying you for a long period of time. And number twelve was how much rent are you charging? Generally speaking, and if you've done you know one through eleven really well already, number twelve is going to be usually a shoe in. Here are the thoughts you. Will usually get the best bang for your buck if your rents are above 800, above 800 or more, and if they are below 2000. Generally speaking, if your rents are above 800 and below 2000, then you're going to have it so that it's not too expensive to replace somebody. Now, if it's under 800 bucks, if it's like 700, 600, 500, there's a lot of places in this country, in the US, that the rents are 550 or 600. The problem is the level of tenant that you're going to get there. They would generally have a harder time. Generally speaking, they will they will treat the property a little bit worse. Generally speaking, if they move out, and you have to, let's just say, spend $6,000, and you're only making like 500 a month, that's more years of loss than it is if you can make it up a little bit faster if they're paying between 800 and 2,000. But if they're paying over 2,000, it's not generally better and better. Once it starts getting a little bit higher, the type renters that you can get are the type that are also wanting to buy a house faster and, and different things like that. So just remember some of these ideas, keep it going and I will see you on the next episode. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm gonna let you go, but until next time, think outside the box you